Jonathan, we've finally made it. We what do you are, mean? What do you mean? We, we, we made are it. getting into chapter 9 of the book of Amos. We are so close to the end of this thing. And we're getting into what we might call like the si- seismic, powerful part of the book. So God is going to absolutely shake us as we get into Amos chapter 9 today. You see that, Jonathan, as we get into the, these verses? Oh man, it's it's really powerful stuff, and I can't wait to dig into it to more, some more. Uh, I'd love it if, you're, if you've been listening to this podcast, we're starting to get to the end of it, we're going to say it now and we're going to say it later, but we would love it if you'd review us on iTunes, if, if you'd share us on social media, if you'd get this message out there if you care about it at all, and uh, let people know that this this uh, commentary exists. Projects 1517 is happening. That's that's funny that you would say that. If somebody made it all the way to podcast number 15, they probably care. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right, if they're listening to us right now. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, you know, give it, give it five stars. If, if you're only going to give it one, just skip the review. And uh, <laughs> that's honest. <laughs> and we'll, it'll be an encouragement to us just to keep going, you know, just to keep going and sharing this word with you. So we're going to, here's what on, what's on our plate for today. We are hoping to cover Amos chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. And it's just an amazing task. It's very humbling. Um what do we have as we begin the chapter, Jonathan? Well, hey, we <laughs> we're getting we're gonna get another vision. We're gonna get. Remember, we talked about this apocalyptic, visionary material that we've had in Amos, and uh, this is our our fifth and final one. And you can see it encapsulated there in verses one to four. And um, uh, boy, this is a devastating it's, one. And and you're keyed off right away that it is a vision because it says right there in verse 1, I saw the Lord standing by the altar and he said. So we know that there's going to, he's the seer, like we said before. We know that he's going to see something now. He's going to see a vision. But we're also kind of tipped off right away that this one's going to be different. You know, this is, it's introduced in a whole kind of different way and it's going to be different in a couple different ways like i noticed maybe you'll you notice some things but what i noticed is that amos is gone he's totally gone there's no mediation there's no talking there's no commentary there's no questioning it's the only thing he's doing now is seeing he's just he's observing that's it he's completely gone he's out of the picture it's just God acting. He's standing by the altar and he's going to do something amazing, which we're going to see. So Amos is gone. The other thing that I noticed, and we were just kind of chatting about this, is the expanding scope of the destruction. So like before it's the crops, <laughs> and then it was the house of Jeroboam, and, and now, I mean, this destruction is... Uh, and you are asking the question, is it worldwide? You know, because it, 
it seems like there's nowhere to hide. So yeah, we we got to come back to that question because that's a pretty big question. But you do you do have that, and what's what's interesting about even you can't even get out of verse one. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and and so what's what's interesting about that is you have God standing in the place where people thought they were safe. So in the exact location where they thought there would be peace and safety, God shows up and undermines their entire faith system. You thought you're going to be safe here. You you thought you're going to get peace because of what you're doing here. Think again. Yeah, so they're in Bethel, supposed to be the house of God. And lo and behold, the Lord is there. (laughs) And look what he's going to do. Yeah, so maybe we should read the verses. What do you think? Should we? Let's do it. Yes. So strike the tops of the pillars so that the thresholds shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left, I will kill with the sword. Not one will get away. No one will escape, though they dig down to the depths below. From there, my hand will take them. Though they climb up to the heavens above, from there, I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, there I will hunt them down and seize them. Though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent to bite them. Though they are driven into exile by their enemies, there I will command the sword to slay them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. Ouch! Yeah. So, like, I, I think one way to look to really take this to heart is what is God doing here? I mean, and as you answer that question, Amos answers it in seven ways. You know how we've been talking about seven and five in this mm-hmm. book? Yeah. Seven, God's doing seven different things to the people in that temple, okay? As he shakes that temple to its very foundations and brings it down. He's... He says, this is what God says he's going to do. I will kill. That's number one. Number two is, from there, my hand will take them. Number three is, I will bring them down. Number four is, I will hunt them down. Number five is, I will command the serpent to bite them. Number six is, I will command the sword to slay them. And number seven is, I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. So God's coming. It's theophany. It he and and it's not going to be good. Well, and another way to look at this is um flip it around for a second and say there's a lot of you wills in the Bible called the 10 commandment. Thou shalt, thou shalt, you will, you will. And if you don't, then God says I will. So this is what the law always does. If you don't perform, if you don't meet the standards, I'm going to come and do this. And so judgment is coming on Israel in response to sin. And it seems like there's no salvation from it. Like there's, how, how, how can you get away from it? And Amos actually really wants to impress that fact on them. Like there's no salvation for you. Yeah, and that's really, yeah, right. So look, you think no one's getting made, away. You made it out of the rubble that now you're scot-free. Uh-uh, a a sword's going to get you. And then he just says it, and he uses absolute language. We we talk about how we shouldn't ever say always or never. Well, 
or include everybody, but Amos says, not one will escape, not, excuse me, not one will get away, none will escape. So he uses that biblical doubling uh, to, in, to make an absolute case, like n- there, there is nobody who's going to get away. And, and he uses some, some figures of speech, like we've talked about this before, he uses a mayorism. Like he says, though they climb up to the heavens above, I will bring them down. And then, though they hide themselves on top of Carmel, I will hunt them down. Or you could hide at the bottom of the sea. So like, he's saying like, you can go to the most extreme places, whether in heaven or in hell or wherever you're trying to hide from God, you're not getting away. Yeah, not even, I mean, you could even look at, dig into verse 3 just a little bit more. Though they hide themselves on top of Mount Carmel, um, not only is that a high place. um, Timothy, you remember climbing that mount. um, I do, yeah. You know, Elijah was up there and uh, fighting with the prophets of Baal. So it was a special holy place. Not only was it a special holy place, but it's a particularly blessed place space i think it probably gets more rain and it's greener and more lush in other words if you look at it from a spiritual perspective what amos is saying is um go to go to your most holy blessed place that you can think of wherever you think it's safe whatever you think is safe spiritually and it's not going to work for you so it's like this Samson moment where he's shaking the pillars and the whole temple comes down, he kills all these people, and then all the people running away, they're, they're getting caught up in all these different things. And God says nobody's getting away. Yeah. It's a harrowing vision. Just harrowing. It's just harrowing. And uh, <laughs> not even me, Lord? <laughs> That's what Amos has given us. That's what he wants us to wrestle with, with right now. And it, it makes we should we should mention this and uh, just pull out a couple catechetical truths, don't you think? Just pull out a. Well, couple what are you cat- thinking of exactly? Those catechetical truths of God is a God who's everywhere, and we call that God's omnipresence. So he's everywhere. So he's on top of Mount Carmel and he's at the bottom on, of the sea. <laughs> there he is. He's right there. And not only the other catechetical truth that's here is uh, he's he's not only omnipresent, but he's also omniscient. So if you think you can go somewhere and, you know, God wasn't really watching or <laughs> or something like that. No, he's there. He know, And he knows about it. So mm-hmm. he's, he's both omniscient, he knows everything, and he's omnipresent. Uh, so you can't, those are his attributes, that's what we call those. We call those God's attributes. That's who he is. He's everywhere and he knows everything. And, the, and there's a part of those attributes that absolutely terrify us. And they, and they rightly should, you know. Um, yeah, Amos is making applications of God's attributes. As law. Yeah, as law in this case, as law. And now they also function as gospel sometimes, right? The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> He's always with me. He knows me and he still loves me. But in this case, Amos is bringing that back around and saying, God is with you. And he wants you to say, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, before we move on to the creational hymn, I, I think we should think about the effect of this vision on not only on us, but also on Amos. I mean, he he was emboldened. He, just kind of like Isaiah, Isaiah saw the Lord in his temple, and, and, and Amos sees the Lord in a false temple here, in Bethel's temple, and he sees... He's emboldened. He, he, he knows what he has to do. And so he, he goes out and he preaches this word to Israel as hard as it was. And, and you can see that just, just to make the case, you can tell that something inside Amos has risen. And he says right away there in verse 5, the Lord, the Lord Almighty. And so you get that, we could call that Semitic doubling. And yeah. what, what it emphasizes is, an emotional response. So anytime in the scriptures you have uh, a name called twice, um, somebody's feeling something. Like, and probably the most uh, obvious example that that everybody's thinking of lately is because uh, uh, we're recording this right after Good Friday is when Jesus said on the cross, "My God, My God." So He calls God's name twice, uh, right. just because of his emotional state. So the Lord, the Lord Almighty. And that was a good segue into the creational hymn itself. And and it's not like Amos is just plopping this in here out of nowhere. He wants he wants everyone reading this book and his hearers to know, like, this isn't a joke, people. You know, the vision that I saw is it's happening. There's no mediation, and the reason why I can say it's happening because this is the Lord, the Lord Almighty, and and He's the Creator. He's the Creator. Actually, He's the one who can decreate too. So, like that's how He He again He these are present participles. We went through this earlier in the book too. So this is something that God's actively doing. And he's doing five different things again. So he's touching the earth. He's building lofty places. He's setting the foundation. He's calling for the waters of the sea. And he's five pouring them out over the face of the land. And the Lord is his name. So like it's it's decreation that, that God is doing. But it also... It is creation that God is presently doing. You see that? Yep. So he touches the earth and it melts. <laughs> what a picture that is. <laughs> yeah. and Like a that candle true? or something like that. It's just Well, in an earthquake, isn't that yeah. earthquake language? Here? Shaking. Yeah. We got that shaking. We got that earthquake. He's... He's bringing it right back around, and like so, he's he's tying this back into chapter eight again. The whole land rises, and then there's the comparison, like the Nile. So it's yeah, you it's really don't want massive your land to be shaking. doing that. Yeah, you don't want your land to act like a river. <laughs> no, that's not positive. <laughs> it's that's that's instability at its. At its worst or at its best, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And decreation. So he wants to shake the very, he's saying the Lord can shake the very 
the one thing you thought that was firm in your life, which is the, the ground under your feet. Yeah. And don't get, and if that's not unnerving, which is the whole point, if that's not unnerving enough, he builds his lofty place in the heavens. So like, if you think that you can sit in a sky, like you probably relate to this better than me, but if you think you can sit in a skyscraper in Manhattan and look <laughs> down on the rest of humanity, God's going to look at you and go, Nice try. You're so, um, so tiny down there. <laughs> I can't even, like with the Tower of Babel, like I can't even see you from up here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, so he's showing, like he's doing, uh, he's doing, he's putting things in a scale, you know, like uh, to him, everything man made is small. Yeah. And he's, he's setting his foundation on the earth. So it, it's an act of creation here. He can call for the water, which nobody can control the water. Nobody can. You can't say, hey, come over here, ocean. You know, no way. That's not how it works. And he pours them out over the face of the land. So which this, is a rather threatening idea. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to have a <laughs> hurricane happen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's a, that's flood language, you know. That's flood language. Uh, yep. So it's in like to tie this whole chapter together, what you have is this vision where there's one temple that is so shaken that it just comes all the way down. And then right here, you have the Lord actually building a temple in a sense, or a palace uh, in heaven, and he's looking down on us. Now, there's one question before we move on. There's one question I think is really important. Is this messianic? Especially in verse 6 where he says he builds his lofty place in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. Is well, Amos they, talking about Jesus there? Because this, well, this is what Cyril of Alexandria says. He says this statement, let me just read this, is a reference also to Christ, and rightly so. It is he who came from on high and from heaven. So he's, <laughs> in other words, Jesus is that temple um, in heaven for God. And then he was born of the Virgin Mary and took his place on the earth. So that's how God stretches out himself over heaven and earth, is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you what, when, when I hear that, this is what I immediately think. This is like Jesus, this is like the Christ ex machina. Like he's just coming in out of nowhere. Um, and the church fathers, lo and behold, boom, there's Jesus <laughs> kicking and screaming into the book of Amos. But may, maybe you should set me straight, Jonathan. Is this messianic? Well, let me, let me offer up another witness because that's what we call these. We call these witnesses to the Bible. They're not uh, just because somebody said it doesn't make it true. Um, or as one commentator that I listen to says, not all that is old is gold, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but some of it is. And so Tertullian, who's another church father, said um, in thinking about the same verse, 
uh, he said it made him think about Christ's ascension and how he's going to save us. So he said, Christ has prepared for us this ascension into heaven. So he's, he's thinking about how Christ is going to take us to this lofty palace so we don't experience this judgment, which, which is, of course, something thought. that's true, true from the Bible. But I, I'm not sure that, it, you know, and I'll just speak for myself and, and the readers can, can really meditate and contemplate this too. It's, it's, it certainly doesn't seem to be Amos's point here. There's no, this doesn't seem to be a gospel passage, but, but a law passage. And I think bringing Christ, I'm sort of with you on this, and maybe that's because we're twins, but uh, I don't see uh, Christ saving people here. I think that's coming. I know that's coming, um, but not here. So, yeah, I mean, one way to think about this is like you think about the temple in the Bible and, and you track buildings in the book of Amos and, and, and places where God dwells, right? And you think about Solomon's temple, you think about the tabernacle, and, and then you, you see God dwelling um, in Jesus Christ, and so you, you can't fault someone for thinking about that as, a, as, as you read this verse. And I wouldn't say, like, you're definitely wrong if, if you're thinking that way. Well, it's certainly a biblical true thought. The question is, should we make that application here? Even just I think we, we can, should leave it as an open question, maybe, you know, just yeah, something well, to think about and pray about. Jesus changes that idea about a temple too, right? That mm-hmm. he says it's he finally ends up saying up it's his temple. body. Yeah, yeah, it's days. his body. That's the temple. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll just let people wrestle with that one. Yeah. So even we've done this once before. We wrestled. Where's Jesus and Amos? One thing that we can say is within. Uh, you know, four verses, we're going to find Jesus for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, we're definitely going to find Jesus. <laughs> for sure. He's coming. Whether or not he's in verse six, we'll leave it up to our listeners' own prayer and, and thought on that question. So there's a little bit left here, Jonathan. Should we get into it? Oh, Amos yeah. Amos is going to bring this home in, in one final way and it's very striking like you said we're in this law section where Amos is really bringing it so we went from vision to creational hymn and now we got one last sermon Um, really uh, some captivating questions (laughs) and he wants to strip away from from the people of God any thought that they're special On their own. Yeah. Yeah. On, on their, their own. own. Right. That's right. So so you have these two rhetorical questions. <laughs> yeah. That are absolutely stunning. Yep. Are you, are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord? And their hearts drop. What? Well, okay, first of all, the Cushites, uh, who are the Cushites? Well, I suppose people, Upper Nile region, I think, you know, sort of over there in 
in Egypt, right? I thought that they were south of Egypt. Like this was Ethiopia. Cush. Yeah. So they're they're nobody special, like you don't think. And well, okay. I, and let's let's look at this from a couple different angles. One is you can look at it from a biological angle or nationality angle. Uh, it's always been a big problem for God's people to say, "Well, I, I, you know, I'm of Abraham, you know." Mm-hmm. I'm one of I'm one of his kids, and and be confident because of their biology or their DNA that God uh, that God is is going to bless them instead of through faith through faith and promises. Um, and so God says, "You're not special because of your biology," and He says it in a really striking way. Like these, He Amos has really chosen the most biologically striking different people you can find. These Why are, do you say that? These are dark-skinned people. The Cushites, right. Mm-hmm. The Cushites are. And not only that, not only that, and this maybe is the more stinging blow, is that the, Cush, the Cushites were descendants of Ham and Canaan. Mm. And if you run that through a biblical matrix, I was just reading about that this morning, that uh, the Canaanites... And the Hamites were known for their immorality. Um, they were known for being rule breakers and uh, people who didn't love the Lord and weren't in covenant with him. And so God says, you're not any more special than them. And that is, that's a blow. That's stinging. You're the same to me. So he's he's stripping away their special status. And he even, like, calls into question like his love for them in the exodus like like clearly god is demonstrating his his love for them but they're like oh god did this only for us but then amos says did i not bring israel up from egypt the philistines from kaftor and the arameans from Kerr?" <laughs> so god is constantly moving nations around what makes you special and he's given them all a promised land like this is I had the Philistines for Kaftor, the Arameans for Kerr, and I gave to you your own promised land. So he's like, <laughs> saying, like, look, you're, he's stripping away any thought that they're special because of something that they've done. And he, so their works righteousness, he's just destroying yeah. it right now. He's saying it has nothing to do with who you are. Um, and then he goes on to say, surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on the sin- sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Uh, yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob. So the sovereign Lord is going to destroy everybody. Sort of. <laughs> he, not totally. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, totally. So there's going to be a remnant. There's Here you got remnant theology. There's going to be a remnant from Jacob. And um, that <laughs> that's an amazing comfort. It, it's an amazing comfort that... Um, Despite all of the sins, despite all of the rebellion, despite everything we've talked about in the book of Amos, 
uh, there is going to be a remnant who who God is going to set apart and make holy by his, his, his own blood. He'll wash them of their sins and say, this is my people and I love them. So he... <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna forgive them. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna save yet, them. Yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord. So <laughs> from a spiritual perspective, this is this is what we really want, is and this is what Amos is really after. First of all, he wants to absolutely destroy any sense of work righteousness. God, this is why you should like me, because of my biology, because of my morality, because of my whatever. Because I'm because I Amos, worship at this temple, you know, which is the wrong Amos one. Is, by the way, <laughs> not knock. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not going to work. It's not going to work. And what he is trying to give you is what will. Because the question you have to ask yourself is when you get to the end of verse eight, you get this yet. I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob. The question that you have to ask in your heart, and it's the question I'm asking in mine, and I hope our listeners are asking this question too, is how do I become a part of that remnant? How do I get in? How do yeah. I know? How do I know? <laughs> and maybe we should just leave the question right there um, and see what else God has to say about this remnant. You just want to leave it there? Just let it just let it hang for a second. Don't you think we should let it hang and then come back around like, to it? For a second. For how long are you thinking how long do you want to let it hang? Just finish up verses nine and ten there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Let's okay. All right. Four, I, I so he's you gonna meant explain to the next podcast. So. No, 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 no. He, <laughs> he's explaining this now. For I will give the command. And I will shake the people of Israel. So there you have that earthquake going on still among all the nations. So this, this again, we're back to that. Is this a worldwide event kind mm -hmm. of question? And then he's got remnant language here again. As grain is shaken in a sieve and not a pebble will reach the ground. Um, and then I'll just read verse 10. We can come back to that remnant language. All the sinners... Among my people will die by the sword. All those who say disaster will not overtake or meet us. And maybe we can start our dis our discussion about who uh, who who gets to stay, who gets to remain, who is who is not shaken out of the sieve. Uh, to use Amos's metaphor, with this thought, uh, you can't be a sinner. Because all sinners among my people will die by the sword. At least, at least, actually, Amos qualifies that statement. He, he, he says all the sinners, the ones who say disaster will not overtake or meet us. So it's the sinners who are confident in their righteousness. Could we call them secure sinners? Secure sinners, yeah. That's I'm good exactly. with God, whatever. So the, the 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 secure sinner is the one who says, you know, my life is good. I I got nothing to repent of. There's nothing wrong here. I'm not. I'm good. They're Me not going to make it. Buddies. You're not going to make it. <laughs> That's right. You're not. You're not part of the remnant. So then, 
that helps us answer our question is how, how do you get in on that remnant? If you get shaken by God. Yeah. You get shaken up. You get, you get the ground underneath your feet moved. And you say, whoa, Lord. I have sinned. Have mercy on me. Yeah, I'm not right with you on my own terms. That's exactly it. And, and those are the people. We, we got to leave a little bit of this for next time. One, because we're running out of time. But next time is really all about the remnant. Is who's, who's got, it's just this amazing thing. And hopefully we've been building up to it. But God's going to say, I got this remnant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use David's uh, tent. And I'm just going to rebuild this whole thing. And he's going to take these broken, uh, poor sinners who are not secure, and he's going to make them new. <laughs> so in other words, it's by faith that you're saved. Lo and behold. In <laughs> <laughs> a David, in an ultimate David figure, right? But we should, you know. <laughs> is, that, is this surprising or what? <laughs> we're saved in jesus name as a part of this struggling broken remnant all right through so, faith in him yeah whoa i'm so excited for next time we are gonna we're gonna wrap up the verses here in amos he's gonna have an amazing um ending where every everybody lives literally in jesus name happily ever after so we're coming out of the darkness <laughs> it's like gonna be easter get ready people we're gonna do some eschatology so thanks for joining <laughs> us we uh definitely join us for next time big gospel moment coming in the very last section here in amos <laughs>